Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my new friend, Miss Danielle Sunberg. So Danielle is a wellness entrepreneur, a transformational coach, an international keynote speaker, and a former big law attorney who successfully defended her client against a $6 billion judgment and then left the firm to travel the world after she experienced serious burnout and a lack of connection to herself. We've heard these stories before, people having massive success and then just completely burning out and realizing that they're so far off of their North Star. Their life does not look like anything they dreamed of creating. And then they hear a calling, they hear a whisper, and they run. And this is a podcast about that. You know, Danielle is the new author of the book, Atlas of Being, From Briefcase to Backpack, One Former Lawyer's Exploration of the Human Way. And, you know, this conversation was so beautiful because Danielle, I resonated a lot with Danielle's story. One, you know, I came from corporate America. She left a corporate environment to follow her heart. And I think that's a really scary journey, especially if you came from backgrounds, upbringings that didn't encourage that. Like I didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. She didn't come from that type of an environment either. So there's so much deconditioning that has to happen. But that's what this story was really about. It was about listening to the voice in your heart and what that is. It was about why we don't follow that voice in your heart. It was about building up the courage to actually follow the voice in your heart. It was about, I mean, I just, this, this conversation went in so many different directions, but I think the one thing I took away was just the importance of having a North star that is internal. You know, I think most of us create goals in our minds. We strategize what we want in our lives and we're constantly thinking from our minds instead of calibrating to our hearts, calibrating to our intuition, connecting to the part of us that is so deep first and then designing our lives from there. And I just love this conversation and this book is incredible because it offers a framework and a way for you to sort of start recreating a life that you love and aligning it to something that is so true and something that can never be taken away from you. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I hope it meets you in a way that inspires a seeking of that truth signal, right? That truth in your heart. And I love you guys. I'm so grateful. Recording this conversation really brought me back into a state of nostalgia and looking back on seeing how far I've come in my journey. You know, I left my corporate environment almost six years ago, back in 2017, five years ago, yeah, six years ago, almost six years ago in 2017. And to just see how the journey has unfolded and what's come from me leaning into that very scary place. Like I was so terrified of leaving for so many years and 
Now looking back, I'm so grateful that I didn't allow the fear in my mind to cloud the courage in my heart. So enjoy this conversation. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify or any of the podcast apps. All that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Reach out to myself and Danielle about how this conversation spoke to you, how it inspires you. And yeah, I just love you guys. Thank you for giving this this podcast, this platform a voice. Thank you for being a part of this journey with me. I don't know if you started listening now or if you've been listening since the very beginning. I'm just so grateful for you giving us the gift of your attention. So love you guys. And without further ado, here is the amazing Miss Danielle Sundberg. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this very special episode of Stay Grounded. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the show. Hi, Raj. <sighs> Man, I'm so excited for this conversation. Ah, I was like, it's interesting, you know, just reading your story, you know, in your new book and just getting to feel like I, I walked away from corporate life myself and to like follow my heart and my path. And so I just, I could feel so much of like, I could feel where you're at at those points and in the journey that ensued afterwards. But I would love to maybe start the conversation by, you know, just describing in, in everything that I was reading, there was this moment that you described as the voice speaking to you. And I would love to maybe just like set the stage of like, what do you consider this voice to be? Like the voice that like kind of started this journey for you of like, exploration like what do you think the voice is it's a beautiful question and you know it points us towards what i think so you're asking me to get my mind involved in it which really has nothing to do with the voice itself right so now we're going to overlay my thought process and making meaning out of this thing that is like of another quality entirely and so all I can really say is that we all have like scripts in our head voices, ones that say, oh, don't eat the chips. You just ate like tacos yesterday or you really shouldn't go to bed before you do the dishes or oops, did I accidentally send the email to the wrong person? And they're all running through our heads. But then all of a sudden for me, this other voice, it was kind of like a voice that parts the Red Seas and it's just of this other quality that's certainly not the voices in my head on a day-to-day basis. It's just something else. And that something else-ness of it is what made it so profound because I couldn't box it or label it or define it or qualify it as something. And that's why it really caught my attention. Actually, you know what? That's not true. It was so subtle for a long time. I think we all have this experience to some degree where we do have an inner voice that's speaking to us, but it is, it's subtle, it's quiet, it's not as loud as the other voices in our heads. And so it's easy to ignore it or suppress it or deny that it's speaking to us. And then usually it gets louder and louder and louder until one day we can't ignore it anymore. And that's what happened to me when I was sitting there in the middle of the biggest trial of my career. And we were defending a movie investor client against a $6 billion judgment for allegedly violating millions of 
this regulation. And um, I'm sitting in the middle of trial. I'm exhausted, overworked. It's like the classic lawyer story. No healthy food for weeks on end because I'm just sitting in the courtroom working, not sleeping, full of anxiety about proving to the partners that I'm worth my salt. And I'm sneezing and coughing and like trying not to make a racket as the judge and the witness and the lawyers are all, you know, doing their thing. And this voice just comes through and I just can't ignore it anymore. And so I don't know, you know, how to say what I think it is, but what it did was point me on an entirely different path. Just like for you, you pivoted your career, but it's so much more layered than that. You didn't just pivot your career. You pivoted what you based your life on and what you've focused on for how you want to live your life. It was like the compass shifted from being an external compass to an internal one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think kept you from listening to that voice for so long? Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> acculturation, baby. <laughs> it is that constant, whether we realize it or not, barrage of being told who to be and how to be it in a way that's going to make us, quote unquote, successful the way that we've been trained to be successful in life. And so for me, it was go get a prestigious, well-paying job that shows the world that you're worth your value. And to me and the family I grew up with, the value was really capitalization of intellect. And so becoming an attorney was really proof of that. And so anything that didn't point towards that as the single goal to achieve was to be ignored as like red herring. And it was only when that uh, goal was achieved, like I got the success, quote unquote, you know, I had the high paying prestigious job at the law firm and all of the, the promise that was supposed to come with it of the fulfilling life, the satisfaction, the purpose. I was just left kind of standing there with empty hands saying, well, where is it? And that's sort of what gave room for the voice to come in and say, uh-huh, now are you ready to listen to me? Yeah. And I like the word ready because I think there is like a readiness, like there's like a courage that there's like a meter that, that kind of is like, there's a certain level of crap you're willing to tolerate for a long time. Because the fear is so great, the fear of disappointing your family, the fear of walking away from success, the fear of going down a path unknown, like there's like this level, there's this threshold. And then at some point, the crap just builds up so much that there's like this inner tank of courage that just like comes out of nowhere. And I think for me, at least like, that's what that voice represents. It's this internal courage, the courage of the soul that just kind of like, and I, you can't explain it. It's like even me, like right now, I love that explanation of you gave. Like you're, we're trying to intellectualize something that's just known. And I do believe that in our hearts, we are brave. Like without the words, like it's like we're not actually afraid of anything. It's the mind that's afraid. But in our hearts, we're bold, we're clear, we're confident, we're compassionate. All these values that we end up identifying with after we go through the path is only because we've let go of all the things that are not. I mean, I was going to say there's a quote in my book that I say, fear and hate is mind made. So we often talk about it being, you know, man made, things being man made, but fear and hate, fear specifically to this context is mind made. It lives right only in our thoughts. 
nowhere else. So I think you're exactly right. Our souls, our hearts, the whole rest of our human operating system is full of love and courage. Because if you don't have any fear, then I mean, does courage even does courage even need to exist? Then it's like you're a fish swimming in the water, right? Because it's just something that naturally exists. Like you don't have anything to be afraid of. I'm curious because I think it's really easy, and I do this, and I'm totally like. I do this a lot, actually, like where I, I paint this mind to be like this thing that I'm against. But the mind is also a brilliant part of our humanity. And so like on this path, at least in, in your experience, like what role does the mind play in a path that's sort of guided by the heart? The mind, You're right. I think you're exactly right about the mind. It's a brilliant tool. And wiser people than me have said that we make sure that it's our servant and not the master. And so it helps us do incredible things, right? We wouldn't have gotten to the moon without the service of the mind. We wouldn't have invented chairs without the mind. You know, some caveman was like, oh, my tushy's sore. What can I do about this? And so the mind went to work. So it's definitely in service of creating an expanded way to experience life. But it's not the master. So you left your job and then you started traveling the world. What were you hoping to find on that journey? <laughs> you know, at the time, I had no idea. I thought I was simply burnt out. One of those classic statistics of hustle culture where I just couldn't hack it any longer and I needed a break. And so when I left, I didn't really know what I was searching for. I just knew I needed rest. But, you know, obviously looking back now, I can tell you that what I was searching for was connection to myself, that what I was lacking was that. I mean, I remember when I went home from that trial, I went to my apartment. I, we were living out of a hotel room in St. Louis for a month. And when I got home to Washington, D.C., I remember rolling in my luggage and I was just so exhausted and sick and burnt out and overwhelmed and stressed and anxious and all of the things. And I went to my bathroom, I flipped on the switch and I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time, truly, without it being like, oh, how's my hair, right? It's really looking at myself and staring into my eyes. I saw that they were empty and there was really no one home. And so I didn't have enough experience or language yet to understand what that meant or how it was going to influence why I was leaving. But it's clear that, you know, that I was looking for a way to look in the mirror and see, oh, here I am. And that's what the adventure through this book is. It's, you know, exploring how to create that, that connection to self. And along the way, those little aha moments dropping in for me. And then, of course, the reader gets to go through that experience, too, and experience their own aha moments and how they connect to themselves. What's so beautiful about what I'm hearing right now is that you went on this journey of travel, kind of going to the corners of the world. But what it was really, truly was like, it was like, I think that's what's so beautiful about even the title of your book, The Atlas of Your Being. Like, it's like the corners of your inner being through the world. You know, what are some practices, some examples of things that you learned? And, and maybe can you give like a story of how you learned it? Maybe like one example from the book that you just plucked out. Like, this was a story that you experienced. And like, what was like the takeaway that turned into like an exercise that somebody could do to connect deeper with themselves? Cause I, it's such a visceral, like, even as you said it, like, 
that feeling of looking into the mirror and not being able to see or even feel yourself like that is there's a depth to that that I know a lot of us listening have experienced at some point in our lives or are experiencing right now. So if you have any thoughts on that or a story, I'd love to hear it. Sure. I mean, we can take this in so many directions because yeah, I think everyone probably at least in Western culture has experienced at least that yo-yoing of coming back to self or disconnecting from self. And it's not just self, right? It's a point where we connect to oneness of the entire universe hopefully, maybe. And there's times maybe where that happens. And it's so outrageously huge that we don't know how to fit it into our framework of what it means to be human in this world. And so we kind of toss it aside as something that we can't explain. So we ignore it. But if we can give ourselves the space to say, maybe it's possible that this is true, this thing I experienced is real, Oh my gosh, right? Like so much is possible for how we connect to who we are on the internal scale versus also the cosmic scale. And so that's reminding me of this story in which I was sitting in actually an indigenous ceremony with the Colombian town I was living in. So let me back up. I happened to drop into this very rural town outside Medellin, Colombia, because I was really craving peace and quiet and nature and solitude. And of course, it just so happens that this community is really deeply rooted in their own indigenous ceremonial rituals and have a whole shaman tribe that live there. And every quarter, once in a while on their own calendar, they come together as a community and they partake in their, um, well, it's either ayahuasca or it wasn't peyote for them, but that's what we did because there was a visiting shaman. It was a whole big thing. But anyway, they come together, they do this work and they do it for celebrations. They do it for grief. If someone in the community has passed and they, they need help. They have this whole beautiful community structure that comes together and sits in ceremony together to support each other. So you see it sort of in this external way of how we're all connected and how we can all build this invisible web, these really strong fibers to support each other. Not even talking about, you know, the, the medicine that they use. This is just a community that is bonded so deeply and they all feel each other's life milestones and things that happen, happen for everyone. They all support each other in that. For me, specifically sitting in this ceremony, I felt, um, well, first of all, we did have the medicine of peyote. That's what was served to us, which I had never experienced before, let alone in a very specifically indigenous ritual where there's strict rules around, you know, you can't lay down. You can't get up and walk away. There's no talking. It's just sitting, listening to the music and looking at the fire and singing along for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and so as someone who has, you know, played as a psychonaut since leaving my law firm and experienced that sort of liberation from rules and just the experience of getting to play with everything and there being no limits on how to play with it or what is possible when you're playing in that space. 
to sit in that type of ritual felt very constricting. And all of a sudden I felt myself rebel because I had just quit this life of being a lawyer where I was like really attached to rules. Rules were everything. And then, you know, kind of tossed it aside and was like, I want to be free. I want to be who I am. I don't want anyone to tell me who to be or how to act in this world. And then all of a sudden sitting in this ritual where I was being told exactly those things, I felt myself really kind of banging against it like a toddler having a little tantrum. But I wasn't going to deny what the experience was. And so I did sit with the rules. And what I was shown in that ceremony was, I know listeners can't see what I'm about to do, but I'll explain it. If the rules for life of how we decide to live our life are like the front of my hand, right? My palms and my fingers, like tracing your hand, like you would trace when you were a kid, like a turkey. (laughs) And then you decide to change the rules or not live by them anymore. It's like flipping your hand backwards. So now we see the back of my hand. But the thing is, when you reject rules that way, you're still attached to the shape of the hand, right? You're still living defined by the shape of my fingers and my thumb and my palm. It just looks the opposite. So what I found was deciding I'm not going to live by rules was still annoyingly a rule that I had given myself, right? So in this ceremony, that really showed up for me and how there was this beautiful flow in which rules were neither good nor bad. And I could drop that paradigm and sort of move with rules and let them be more fluid and serve as a beautiful supportive framework with which to build something. And what was that thing I was going to build was my life. And this beautiful sense of connection to myself in the present moment and the future me of whatever I was building really came through there. That is brilliant. I, what I'm just loving most about that little initiation of sorts of like deconstructing, you essentially just brilliantly actually showcase the power of the mind. Like the mind is the one that creates the rules, but like you, instead of your rules being defined by me running away from something, I don't want this, or running towards something, it became in service of what you felt true in your heart. It's like you're building this life with rules and principles and 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 boundaries that are like that are in alignment with this feeling that you want to have more of. What is that feeling that you were architecting your life for? For me, it's about showing up, right? So like When I was looking at myself in the bathroom mirror, there was emptiness. So then the antidote to emptiness is really showing up and being present in life. And so that's really one of my big North Stars, which is, I think, a term. I don't know. Should I explain what North Star is? I feel like it's pretty ubiquitous. but Well, I mean, now that you said it, I'm curious to know what your definition of North Star is and how, you know, how does that play into this? I mean, you can, I'd love to hear your, it sounds like there's a specific way you're using it. So I'm curious. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just sometimes catch myself saying things and then I'm like, I don't know if a listener would follow along with that or not. So for me, a North Star is just my internal value that no matter what life brings my way, 
will essentially be vetted by does it align with my North Star or not? And it has to be in alignment for it to be a yes. Does that seem like what it would be for you? Yeah. I mean, like if I had to think about a North Star, it is like, it's that compass. It is like the the thing that no matter what, because you even said it, like the rules are like, you know, perception is reality. So like the opposite of one truth is another truth, right? Like, and so like you can, no matter which way you look at the hand, there's a truth to both sides, just depending on where you're standing and what's important to you and, and all of that, right? So like, if you attach your your North Star to something that is fluid like that, you'll just end up being lost because it just goes everywhere. So like to me that that North Star is, it's like the vision for your life that is rooted in something that can't sway. So it's either a feeling in your body, it could be a value that you want to live into. It's something that consistently brings you more of something you want. It's something that's actually, I think, sharpened over time, at least for me. Like, I, I don't think I always had a, nor- I, I had a, a vision for my life, but I don't know if I ever had like that, in like that values check to like, make sure I was on the right path. So it's like, there's like a vision, which is a part of the North Star, but then in order to truly have like a path to the North Star, I think you need those, those values that are going to help you make those daily decisions. Exactly. I would say actually like a true North Star for me is safety to feel safe. And when I look at the pattern of my life, I did everything I could to feel safe by what the world told me to do. You know, and that's part of what led me down this path of becoming an attorney was it felt very safe. In other words, like I would see in other people's eyes who they thought I was as a respected, intelligent, competent person. And that felt like a safe persona to have in the world. And so at some point, to your point, actually, when we first started talking about the balance changing in in, um, our threshold of the crap we're willing to deal with before we make a change, like at some point, the balance shifted for me where it felt riskier for me to stay in this quote unquote safe life because of the, I was diagnosed with depression. There was like physical issues and I just, my stomach turned every time I thought about, you know, becoming partner at this law firm. So it felt riskier to stay than it did to leave. So that safety, um, you know, the scales of safety totally shifted. And so now my North star that I was just talking about showing up is really in service of safety because my new equation for safety is be present and be in integrity with who I truly am. And that to me equals show up. And when I know, because I've experienced this, that every time I'm able to walk my North Star path, I feel so safe and held by the universe. I think you said it, the universe. Because I think that one took me years to get to. Like, and I, and I think that's like the, it's like you, like what you identify as safe. Like if you have a community you're a part of, if you're a part of a religious group, if you're part of all this stuff, like, it's like, it can be very scary to walk away from it all. Walk away from this cush life. I was in a nine year relationship that looked great on paper. 
I was in a business, businesses that were like crushing it on paper. And I was also drinking more than I'd ever been drinking. I was also more anxious, more stressed. I didn't have like, there was just something that felt so off. And then that was manifesting as health issues. That was like, and I think health is a really interesting, like kind of wake up for most people because we can BS everything, but like the body, right? Like at the end of the day, like if you're housing shit, like the body is going to show up and it can show up as cancer, can show up as, as symptoms like depression or anxiety. It, it can manifest in so many different ways. But I think to me, like the body is kind of like that, that North Star calibrator. If you go too far off, like the body tends to speak up. We just haven't learned how to actually listen to the body because we're so disconnected. And I think that is because of safety. I think at some point in our lives, we experienced something in childhood that taught us it wasn't safe to feel our feelings. It wasn't safe to be ourselves. So then we cut ourselves off from the neck up and then we just live in these personas. And then we create our entire realities. But going from here up in the head back to the heart is terrifying because this is so unpredictable. And that's what I'm I'm loving so much about like, it feels like everything you're talking about, your entire journey is like a framework for going from this this space of disconnection to a space of alignment. That's what it was for me, you know, and that's what I hope that the readers are able to explore for themselves because, it, I mean, in each chapter, there's a workbook and there's questions and reflections for the readers because what's really critical for me is that my wisdom doesn't have to be your wisdom, right? The things that I, you know, my incredible aha moments that are totally transformative, I'm never going to tell you that they're true for you. Something that's also like a North Star, okay, for me is like no dogma. And so for the readers, yeah, maybe my wisdom does resonate with them and maybe it doesn't, but something in the story is going to trigger them. And that trigger is going to be what they look at and say, what's the wisdom in my trigger? And the reflection exercises are going to draw it out, right? They might read my story and go, I don't like this at all. Well, guess what? That's awesome. Keep reading because there's something really in that for you then. (laughs) There is this woman who um, I heard from a friend, like a friend gave her book to my book, excuse me, to a friend of hers who's lives in this really rural town in Canada and she barely completed her college education. And she read my book. She started reading it and she was like, I don't get this woman. Like, right. Like I'm this Northeastern, like kind of liberal, overly educated person. And she's like, I don't really get this woman. I'm not going to relate to her at all, but she couldn't put my book down. And then I was told afterwards that it helped her see her own, you know, her own judgments, her own places where she wasn't accepting of herself. And so that's what I truly love about the book is that it's a tool for everyone to explore for themselves, their own connection to themselves. I mean, it's a mirror. And that's what's so great about, like, I think I read this somewhere when I was kind of like just looking up the book and I think it was something around like, you experience the world through your own lens. 
or something of that sorts. And I think that's what this is. Like if you read anything, if you experience anything, if you hear someone say something and it activates something in you, that is directly an experience that you're meant to have. Like I'm learning, at least at my stage in, in, in my journey of awakening, I'm, I'm starting to really feel the wisdom in every single trigger. Every single time I experience some type of dissonance in my system, it's an invitation. And I could either look away and cope and not listen, but now I've gotten so sensitive that like if I don't listen and I've gotten enough data points that see what happens if I don't listen, it's like, no, just lean in and go into it. Even if it's sticky, if it's hard, if it creates a sweaty conversation, whatever comes out of the leaning in is actually the greatest medicine. And I think that's the biggest service we can do for everyone in the world, including ourselves, is continue unraveling these false stories that create this like disharmony in our systems. When we start this journey, this self-exploration and connecting to ourselves, called a spiritual journey or self-development, we tend to gravitate towards that spacious feeling of bliss and joy and fulfillment. And we just crave more and more and more and more. And all the things that we want to call toxic or not in service of our feeling zen, and we want to cut out. We want to cut out toxic relationships. We want to cut out the toxic boss, all of that. And then there's a point where that stops and we go, wait a second. There's really wisdom and magic and like efficient transformation if I look at that toxic relationship or toxic box or whatever the thing is. And I don't run away from it. Instead, I lean in and I go, oh, suffering, I embrace you. Like give yourself to me. And the more we're able to just surrender into the quote unquote suffering of it, really like is the magic because the quicker it unravels and we stop suffering and we gain the wisdom from it. I'm so glad you said efficient transformation because that is exactly what it is. Like I have a mentor who I was in the deep last year around May, I was deep in it. I just felt like I was like, I just could not, I was in a deep trigger on like just life and work and everything was just unraveling itself in really interesting ways. And, and my mentor looked at me and he's like, Raj, if the experience hasn't changed, you haven't gotten the lesson. And when he said that, it kind of just slapped me because I was like, damn it, like I'm not leaning in. I want to outsmart it. I want to run around it. I want to outcalculate it. I want to do everything I can to not feel those feelings that are like present. But when the more I just allow myself to lean in, allow myself to be wrong, allow myself to surrender. And I think surrender as a has a negative connotation in society. But to me, I think surrender is the most powerful, brave thing we can do when we surrender to the potentiality of being ostracized, being made fun of, being seen, like whatever it is, like the that, that fear when we surrender to it and we go into that discomfort. And then, like you said, it just unravels. And then the experience changes. It's like the, there's some alchemy that happens when we just lean into those sticky, tricky conversations or those triggers. Like there's just something really magical and I cannot explain it. Like there's like a, there's not just magic happening in your own life, but like just in the air, like there's just a difference that happens when you allow yourself to go into those depths. 
and you do it in community. Like, and I love the story you shared about people in community going into their, into the depths of their, of their darkness together. Like there's something really powerful about that idea alone. And whether you have community or not, I think there's people like us who are truly either allowing ourselves to be seen or really here to see others. And, and it's a wave that's coming. Yeah. I think that we notice fear really quickly because we feel it in our bodies. We feel the constriction, whatever the experience is, whether it's somatic or mental or emotional, right? But what we don't feel, but is also present right next to that fear is trust. And it's something that I've been practicing a lot with, which is just finding the trust, that space, even if it's just 1% of a space where I know trust lives, that's enough. And just sitting there and trusting And it's not trusting anything else. It's just trusting myself, right? Trusting that I have all of the tools that I need to navigate life, that I was born with them, that there was nothing that we need to go out and achieve. You know, it's not a degree on our wall. It's just trusting that I can navigate this experience. I don't have to push it away. And for me, that kind of flips how I see those quote unquote, toxic or challenging experiences, they shift in their nature from being something that I go, okay, I see that I want to push this away and I'm going to struggle to not because then you're just like layering a struggle on top of a struggle. And it just shifts out of that and into real, like you said, surrender, embrace, kind of a, a trusting, a trust fall. The trust fall is... It's such a practice. My gosh, like now that I can like look back in hindsight, like I just remembered how afraid I used to be to like lean in. In fact, I I don't even know if I've shared this on the show, but like I felt the whisper in my heart four years before I ended my nine-year relationship. I felt it. I was like, I'm not supposed to be in this relationship. And I just remember looking back, I can go back and connect to that young man. In fact, I, it's funny. I I like went back and like found a bunch of old journal entries recently. And I found the journal entries that I wrote, like right before I broke up with my ex and like where I was at and what I was processing. And it was like that breaking point where it's either trust fall or I don't know what else. Like there's no other rationalization I can give myself. There's no other. I can keep BSing myself. I can keep telling myself a story. I can keep, and I'm going to continue feeling this dissonance. And I just remembered how afraid I was to take that leap to just have a conversation that was so uncomfortable. And now I look at myself now and I live in uncomfortable conversations. (laughs) Like I feel a slight trigger with my girlfriend. I'm like, Gina, we got to talk. Like, and it's like, it's just, it's every, it's like, all the things it's just it, it takes it really does take practice like i really just want to encourage anyone listening like if you're like gosh i just it's too big of a leap to go and leave your job and travel the world or to end a nine-year relationship like it doesn't have to be so drastic it can be these well actually that's a question for you daniel like what are like micro trust falls like if if not the macro <laughs> like if we're not ready to take the macro ones like 
is, is there a way to actually practice like trust falling? Or do you have any examples from the book or anything like that where it's like, we can begin the journey to practice that muscle until we have built it up to the point where we can make the bigger trust falls when we're ready for them? Literally, like last week, I was talking about this with a friend of mine, because there's sort of this third option. It's not just like a pushing away or inviting a situation in order to kind of unpin it. There's also like a do nothing and wait and let the universe clean it up for you. But I find that it only happens when we are in a state of trusting the universe to handle it, which we often are not in because we are so like trained to be in control all the time. And so last week I was talking to a friend about how, you know, when my book launched, I was getting all of these opportunities and things pouring in and people wanting my time. And I was also way more available than I had ever been. And so I was accepting invitations and they weren't even making it from, you know, the phone call to my calendar because I would get distracted with something else. And so I was completely overcommitted without even realizing it because I couldn't even see it on my calendar. So what would happen was I would get a call from a friend who was like, oh, I know that we're supposed to go for a walk this afternoon, but can we actually move it to next week? And I'd be like, uh, what walk? Because <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't remember, you know, that it's on my calendar. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Happy to. And I just kind of let things happen because I didn't even consciously know enough to fix it because I couldn't see it on my calendar. And there were literally no consequences, like nothing that I missed, no one that I had to cancel on. Everything just cleaned itself up for me. And I'm like, thank you to, you know, this amazing whatever the people and the universe and, you know, myself for just letting that trust take care of things for me. So I feel like, you know, don't overcommit yourself on, on your calendar on purpose and then kind of ignore it and wait to see what happens. That's not the same thing. <laughs> but I guarantee that there's something in life that you can like take your off your to-do list and say, let's just let the universe take care of that one. And how I would go about choosing what things to take off your to-do list are the things that you look at and you feel that contraction or that, oh God, I don't want to do that thing. That's the thing. Don't do it. I love how you're making this very fun. Well, it should be fun. Why not? It should be fun. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like the, I had this realization not too long ago that like, if you think about the highest possible frequency that can exist. And when I think of frequencies, I think of like energy, right? Like there's like high energy and then there's low energy. Have you seen Monsters, Inc.? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure you weren't like under a rock and a monster, but like you're, yeah. <laughs> like I was like, if you ever watched March check, like did we have a problem here, but like, you know, the whole movie about, you know, they're using fear to power everything. And then they realize that like laughter is such a higher frequency of energy that just like breaks everything because it's so high and it's so magnitude higher. And I think I realized that for myself, like when we lean into like, all right, like, what are the aspects of our days that are like dense and we don't want to do and like start bringing in some of that play? I think there is something really fun that happens. Like there's like this invitation for something that's like, I love the way you just described that because that to me feels like I want to try that. Like, you know, yeah, like 
there's something like, actually, in fact, that's happened to me before. We're like, I'm like, there's this thing I don't really want to do. And then I get responded to. And it's like, oh, yeah, can we move this to next week or two weeks? I'm like, sure. Great. Glad it worked out. And so it's, uh, it is fun to be able to play in that way. And I, I'm just like, I just really have to reflect how grateful I am. Like even that, like this was last week and it feels like just coming back to like your story. When did you leave your job? In 2017. Okay. So it's five years. So I just want to take a moment to just recognize and honor how far you've come in five years. Five years is a like, it's not that long in the grand scheme of things. And it sounds like from where you were burnt out, depressed, feeling all that to now like being here and sharing like little playful ways to play with your to-do list and like all the stories in between. It's, it's really inspiring. I think for a lot of individuals who, who haven't made that leap yet because they're afraid that they'll get stuck inside of this like negative spiral, which I'm sure you went through. Like, I'm sure you had your down moments and your highs and you had the whole roller coaster, right? Like, but just where you're at today. I really appreciate that reflection. And, you know, it's nice to hear because sometimes I don't feel that way, of course, you know, but there's a chapter I talk about this in the book about, you know, like taking the quote unquote red pill to go on this crazy journey. And what I realize the red pill is, it's not being a psychonaut. It's not the matrix breaking. It's not getting like kind of, um, powers of any sort of like, you know, being able to be a medium or commune with the dead, which is in one chapter, which is totally crazy. What the red pill is, is about commitment to the journey. And so for me, efficiency is hugely important to me. I cannot seem to like weed that out of my life. Not that I want to, but it's sometimes, you know, it's a rose and a thorn. And commitment to me is like the catalyst for efficiency. Like I am always going to be committed to my North Stars, to showing up in a way that I know that I am present and in integrity with my life. And because I will not falter from that commitment, things move fast. And like you, I'm very comfortable sitting in discomfort because I know that's the edge of growth and I'm hungry for it. I want it. So I would say to your listeners, if you feel like, oh, I should go do this type of journey for myself, or I should try and, and this, do this game of the to-do list thing that they were just talking about. I, I should try that tomorrow and see what happens. I would say don't. Because if you're shooting yourself about it still, then you're not ready and it's, it's not going to work the way that you want it to. It's going to do something different for you, which, you know, maybe, okay, great. You'll, you'll have an interesting experience from it. But this is not for people who are not committed. Yeah. Well, and the commitment is to experiencing that North Star within ourselves, right? To me, like that is the commitment. Like the commitment is to feeling that connection. Right. Exactly. Because you matter and you deserve to be your best friend. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet and so true. <laughs> you really do. Like every single person listening to this podcast deserves to love themselves deeply, to know themselves deeply, unconditionally, truly. 
Like I, I, there's no bone in my body that believes anything other than that. And so whatever the commitment is to me, that is the ultimate one. And, and when you're committed to that, fear doesn't knock you off course, right? Fear is just something that you learn how to walk hand in hand with or, you know, self-doubt or whatever the thing is that comes up for you, because that's what commitment offers. Daniel, this has been the most fun conversation. We already talked a ton about the book, but just give like a, a quick synopsis of like anything else that people need to know about the book besides all the things we just talked about. <laughs> First, I'll just say the title fully. It's called Atlas of Being, From Briefcase to Backpack, One Former Lawyer's Exploration of the Human Way. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> The title came to me in drips and drabs over years, not knowing how the pieces would fit together. And then it just kind of crystallized in this moment of flaming glory that I was like, this is it. And it follows me. The prologue is where I quit the law firm. And so you kind of get this little snapshot of who I was as this attorney who is burnt out and anxious and overwhelmed. And then we go on an adventure together and each chapter is a different adventure around the world. And so you get to go to exotic places and, you know, sail the Greek Isles or hike the Ho Chi Minh Trail in Vietnam. And also you get to discover who you are and how to create a life in a way that feels very connected and empowered. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to just, it's, this conversation made me even more excited. I can't have book shipped to me right now inside of uh, in Costa Rica. But when I'm back in the States, I'm excited to get myself a copy and, and to go deep. And Danielle, I got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? I had a funny feeling that question was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't prepare. Didn't prepare at all. No, you know, I, I did sit with it. Um, and I was curious what grounded means in, in your view, because for me, grounded is we talk about it in the sense of like, oh, he's so ungrounded, like he's lost total connection to reality. So to me, grounded is like about being connected to what's real. Is that what you mean? That's a great question. I feel like my definition has changed over the years and it changes probably in every moment. I guess in this moment, the question is meant to inspire. Actually, in fact, my definition isn't exactly what the question is even about. It's oh, actually well, about your definition. Oh. It is It is actually <laughs> about your definition because I think we all have a different relationship to feeling grounded. Right? Like sometimes it is like a physical practice. What is a physical practice that helps you stay grounded? Sometimes it's a philosophical concept that kind of brings you back into like truth and alignment. For me in this moment, how do I stay grounded? It is really about like, how do I stay connected? And it could be a tool, could be a conversation, could be an idea, could be a reminder. And I think a lifestyle of staying grounded is a combination of all of it. it just kind of brings all the pieces together until it's just a way of being. And I think the ultimate North Star is to have a life where you don't even feel ungrounded because you've just got a life that supports the remembrance of being here now in this moment. Breathe. 
I don't know if that answered your question, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And please forgive me for constantly. I feel like a couple of times I've asked for definitions of words, but no, no, no. I love, I love it. I love it because it actually, it's important dialogue to break down language and to like, not just take things at face value and actually be like, no, like when we say North Star, like, what is it? Like, that's so important. Yeah. I, I, I mean, as a former lawyer, you know, I, it's just like built into me that you need to have a meeting of the minds on what a definition of something means, because that space of ambiguity is where litigation lives. But that's true still for us as human beings, because we have these internal contracts with ourselves. Because if I say my North Star is X, and I don't really know what I mean by that, then how do I stay true to the contract that I'm making with myself to live by it? And then that's where we can tend to fall off that commitment. So it's always really important to me to get really precise and accurate with what I'm saying. And that's probably why I wanted to write a whole book about it. Um, <laughs> so to answer your question, you know, for me, I just said that being grounded or staying grounded is about being connected to reality. And so my work uh, has been understanding that reality is more than our five senses. It's more than what we can, you know, hear, see, taste, smell, touch. It's so much more than that. And so staying grounded for me is a way of accessing all the different dials, all the different frequencies of what reality offers. Because when I lose connection to some of the frequencies, that's when I actually start to feel like unmoored or ungrounded. So good. Danielle, again, thank you so much for sharing your heart being here and for just this lovely conversation i've loved getting to know you over the last hour and i can't wait to hang out in person soon me too raj it's just so much fun yeah everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj this is your new friend danielle and from us stay grounded chat soon Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.